Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Tim Neat Gerbrew, co-founder of Black and AI, advocate for diversity and technology, and founder of Dare, believes that we should have some type of government oversight for artificial intelligence. The European Parliament, a main legislative branch of the European Union, passed a draft law known as the AI Act, which would put new restrictions on what are seen as the technology's riskiest uses. AIs trained on other AI output will soon start producing junk within a few generations, according to researchers, so maybe the solution to the AI apocalypse is waiting it out. And IKEA uses AI to transform call center employees into interior design advisors. We've got all this and more for you in episode 87 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Happy Father's Day, a.k.a. Happy Juneteenth to everybody who participates. Hope everybody had a nice weekend and all the festivities and even today, hoping everybody is enjoying their Juneteenth holiday. Yeah, um, I, I enjoy mine, man. My, uh, my kids took me out to dinner yesterday. Uh, hung out with my wife on Saturday, went to uh, go see some jazz at a little jazz festival um, around the corner. All right. It was, it was overall good weekend. We went to watch a Spider-Man movie and uh, it's kind of muggy and ugly, ugly today in Atlanta. So uh, hung out with uh, the family on Saturday doing some Juneteenth stuff. So just chilling today. Nothing special. Okay. Same here. Anyway, we should probably note that we are two, not three this week. Uh, Stephanie uh, had to drop out at the last minute, but she actually put notes in here. So she 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 found us some stories and everything like that. So we're going to talk about the stuff that she put in here, even though she's not able to make the show. But all this AI stuff, man, is getting on my nerves. Man, oh my god, it ain't going nowhere. I don't don't think that's happening no time soon. So before we some others. Got to be something else going on in the world. Um, we, we we got some things. It's, it's just the two of us, so we probably going to go sideways on some things uh, this episode. But before we get into the show, I want to let everyone know that uh, you can watch us do the live stream and after party of the show by becoming a patron over at patreon.com forward slash John. We've got multiple tiers over there, any one of which gets you access to our live stream and after party. And also a couple of tiers over there get you access to a free, or I should say an ad free 
uh, stream as far as your RSS. And since this is a holiday, we went ahead and just opened it up for everybody, and I put it on, twi- on Twitter. So we'll see if anyone new pops in. We know it is a holiday. Folks are doing other stuff. But but anyway, if you would like to support the Tech John, head over to patreon.com forward slash the Tech John and sign up there. So with that, man, um, as you were saying, it is an AI kind of week. There's just AI stories that are popping up um, everywhere. This first one isn't necessarily a new story. This is from a 60 Minutes uh, you know, uh, article that I saw, I don't know, probably maybe a month ago. But it's about uh, Timnit Gerbrew, who is the former head of Google's AI ethics team. We've talked about her on many occasions but one of the things that she's saying in her interview, she was being interviewed by Leslie Stahl, is that um, that she actually thinks that we should potentially have some type of government oversight when it comes to AI. She she brought up examples of like the Food and Drug Administration. We we actually have oversight when it comes to foods you can eat, when it comes to drugs you put into your body, when it comes to automobiles, when it comes to a lot of things that potentially could cause the public harm. The government actually looks into that and provides some level of oversight. So I wanted to just kind of get your take as we get into these. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you, you was able to say <laughs> oversight. And government with a straight face, but continue. <laughs> well, hey, it, it, it is what it is. Um, this is someone who I tend to trust with, you know, where she is going on this. So it's like, okay, if she's saying that, let's dig into it and figure out why she's saying it. And then I just want to get your take on it and see, is this something that you think, you know, potentially is a good idea, bad idea, horrible idea? Uh, you know, you know, what say you? Well, in general, uh, regulation for something as disruptive as AI, it's probably a smart move. Now, can the United States government pull it off? Uh, that my comment earlier about <laughs> government oversight, you mentioned the Food and Drug Administration. How is that working out for us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> FDA's oversight. Yeah. I don't know if it's working out too well. So, you know, if, if the government were to feel like they have to do some sort of oversight as far as AI, it's going to have to be on a whole nother level. It can't be the same type of oversight that, you know, the FDA or the FCC or all these other government entities that try their best, I guess, air quotes. But, you know, money, you know, uh, dollar dollar bills, y'all. Right. You know, the companies with the most money, the companies with the most leverage, they have been seemingly not been as affected with these current government regulatory boards. And I don't see that changing if we apply the same type of or the customary oversight that we're used to with some of these other regulations. Again, AI is so important that she, absolutely she's right. We should be paying attention to how this is used and there should be some sort of governance, not necessarily, not exclusively federal United States regulation, but some sort of government, some sort of standards, some sort of um, similar practices that should be used across the board with any company that's involved. Absolutely. But it's going to make something new. It can't be what we're used to because that ain't going to work because it hasn't worked. Right. So here's what put me onto this story. So I was uh, there's a website that I frankly call pocket, which stands for people of color in tech. 
And they had an article out in the last week or so that was uh, basically a repost of, um, and I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking I was going to go here, but it was a repost of a LinkedIn story where there's actually a person who's got a fairly huge following on LinkedIn. And what this lady did was she, she was using Canva. We, we, you know, we use Canva here on the tech job. There's a lot of folks who use Canva for doing images and stuff like that. And just like every other company, Canva's decided, Oh, we're going to start doing some AI stuff. So the AI stuff that is rolled out with your paid Canva account, what this uh, woman did was she actually searched for a black woman with Bantu knots and got a warning basically telling her that that was, you know, that it could give her, uh, you know, undesired results, uh, and that, you know, the, the safe, the results could be unsafe. And so of course she contacted Canva about it. Now they immediately worked on it, addressed the issue and even fixed it. It's just the fact that you can actually do something like search for Bantu knots and you either get a warning telling you that the information is going to be unsafe. Or if you, if you click past the warning, you actually will see some women with afros and, you know, in, in, in various hairstyles, but you also see things like nooses and, and stuff like that. And it's just like, wow. Um, how did that get past your, your, your system? How, how did you not know that that was something that was, you know, potential for, uh, you know, consternation before you released this? So, you know, in reading that, that's kind of how I got answer to that, right? I'm sorry. You said, you know, the answer to that, right? No, go ahead. Well, I, I do, but uh, I'll, I'll let you tell me. <laughs> I mean, any black woman knows what Bantu knots are. Any black woman sitting at the table when the either the testing or whatever for this new AI, the Campbell was rolling out. A black woman would have easily been able to flag that and be like, you know what, let's let's revisit some of these hairstyles or some of these warning labels that you're putting on hairstyles. And that could have been quickly remediated before it became a problem. But now it's a problem because we ain't sitting at the table. So, so I just want to just want to be clear because I've only known you for, I don't know, a decade or more. Um, And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are you saying that if they would have had a black woman actually at the table, that this might not have actually occurred? Yeah, I that mean, was this it. is not. Yeah, yeah, this ain't it ain't rocket science. What Bantu knots are for us, for our culture, specifically mm-hmm. for black women and their hairstyles. So something like that could have quickly been remediated, especially if the whole point of Canva is searching for not the whole point, but a heavy component of Canva is searching for images. So any cursory test on searching for images using AI within Canva uh, somebody could have quickly nipped that in the bud and mm-hmm. clocked out and went on vacation. <laughs> so w- what is interesting, because once again, this is LinkedIn and this spilled out from LinkedIn and w- moved over to Twitter and it gets really bad on Twitter. So I try to stick with the comments that are on LinkedIn because people have their name generally next to, to their stuff there. But well, you have to understand. And it's like, well, how come we never have to understand when it does ridiculous things for people who have less melanin than we do? We don't have these conversations for that. Why? Because there are people who have less melanin in the room. And when you say cute pictures of of infants, it doesn't return pictures of lizards. It's like, oh, you know what? We can't we can't we can't have people looking for pictures of babies and it's turning back pink lizards. That 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 is not a good thing. So let's fix that before we actually release it. 
we need those same kind of things happening when it comes to black women with Bantu knots. I mean, that, that, there's nothing nefarious about that. As I'm getting down into the comments, people are trying to say, well, if you, if you go back you into and, the pre-apartheid, you and them comments. <laughs> well, th- this was a LinkedIn. This was something that was posted on LinkedIn. So you kind of have oh, no choice. Link, but LinkedIn is the, 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 the Twitter for people with jobs. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. But what is interesting is that, like I said, wh- wh- why are you trying to justify this? It's like, I'm not saying that, you know, Canva, you know, it wasn't as bad as when you searched for black men and gorillas came up. That is not the thing. It just gave you a warning saying that the, uh, you know, you may not get what you think you're going to get if you continue on. Um, and, so I'm not and, as bothered by that, but it's just the fact that why do you have to go and say, well, if you go back to before apartheid was ended in South Africa, Bantu actually had a negative connotation. So that's probably why they're doing it. And it's like, for real though, for, for you, you, you literally want to go to like the, the late eighties. 92 did all that research the same way nobody went in there was nobody available to go in and say hey uh this is not a bad thing the same way (laughs) nobody went and say hey this is actually a bad thing Mm -hmm. it was just overlooked it's just a it's just it it was just missed it was missed canva because the right people who would have caught it wasn't there at the time of uh go live right so that's one of the things that you need to look at when it comes to AI because it's basically people are saying, well, it's just data at this point. There's no sentiment in it. And that's, that's absolutely not the, not the case It's pulling all of this data from things that people have written. And as long as people are still biased when they write stuff, then these AI systems can potentially have bias in them. And like I said, you know, just to go back to the, you know, the Timney Gabru story, the reason I put that at the beginning of this is because we are, you know, we're saying, should the, you know, you know, should our government, should they do something when it comes to AI? Well, if we were to move over to Europe, um, Europeans take a major step towards regulating AI. And we've talked about a little bit of this before, but they've actually uh, passed like some preliminary stuff in parliament. So things, for example, um, we, we, we said pre-crime for anybody who's seen the, the movie minority report in that, in that movie with Tom Cruise, they actually arrest people for crimes that they think about, not necessarily kinds that they committed, but people who think about crimes they actually uh, were getting arrested in this movie. Fast forward to today. This is the kind of stuff that there's a potential for um, with AI. So as part of uh, this major step towards regulating AI in the EU, they actually are banning things like that. So that, you know, the act bans used for AI for predictive policing, real time biometric ID in public emotion recognition for the law enforcement um, border management and workspace uses and untargeted scraping of images from internet or CCC TV. So they're saying that now you cannot do this. You can't think that someone's going to commit a crime based off of, you know, the, what the algorithm is telling you and then go make arrest on them or go, or go ch- check them out first. You actually have to wait until somebody does something. Um, now clearly there are people who are saying, well, I don't, I, I think we should be able to stop crime before it actually happens, but that's a little bit much when somebody thinks, if it don't happen. yeah, it's like somebody thinks about doing something. Um, you, AI says, we think this person potentially could do something one day and you go him, him up. I, I, I don't think well, you want your government so, running like that. Uh, I know I don't want mine running like that. A little bit of an oversimplification on the minority report, the movie, if I recall, the precogs were 
determining if somebody was about to commit a crime and it was Tom Cruise's job to catch them in the act. And I think that's why his character was so good was because he was able to catch the person right before they did the crime using the, well, he's about to commit a crime and he put all the pieces together. So I think even still, you know, with the Europeans, what they're doing is like, we, you can't even bust nobody for thinking about a crime when yeah. Minority Report, it was kind of like, all right, they're thinking about it. Now catch them right before they're doing it, right? Like in the act, right? Yeah. So I think that's what made that movie so interesting, right? It it it, it really was. But like I said, what, what, I, what I started thinking about is, wait a minute, you want to use AI to determine whether or not you think somebody's going to commit a crime? I, I, I know that the situation is not exactly the same, but that is what I go back to. And, you know, you're, you're getting really dangerous when you start doing that kind of stuff, because now it's like people can't freely think stuff, um, let alone so, act so on it. Thing, but I just right? can't think stuff without an algorithm potentially marking me for somebody who needs to be looked at. Right. So that's the thing. Right. So going back to your original question, the difference between the European Union and their regulate regulation or attempt to regulate AI versus the United States. Right. Europeans are like. Well, we want to nip this in the bud before it even happens. So if I'm reading this correctly, European Union is saying you can't use AI to possibly catch somebody before they commit a crime. European Union is kind of taking that step. Yeah. United States will be like, you know, well, you've already committed all these crimes <laughs> using I using AI. Let's put a regulatory body to kind of think about what you did already five years ago. And then maybe we could try to catch you, but if you got enough money, uh, you can get around it. <laughs> so yeah, the question is, does it need to be regulated? Yes. Can the United States regulate it like the European union? Eh. <laughs> now I haven't been everywhere in the European union, but the, the, the cities that I have been, you know, the big cities that I have been to um, in, in the UK or in France, they have video cameras everywhere. So one of the things that I kind of uh, took note of, and I don't think it's really any different here because when you think about just like the number of like ring cameras and stuff that people are putting up, um, what they're saying is that you can, you can also not just scrape all of that data just for GP purposes and then use it after the fact. It's like, no, you have to have a use case as to why you're going to look at the data and then, you know, you, you know, if the data is available to you, you can use it, but you can't just, we're, we're just going to store all data for all time. And, uh, in, in case somebody, you know, that, you know, like I said, you know, they, they've already, you know, gotten rid of the ability to, uh, use predictive policing, but they're also not going to give you the ability to just get massive facial recognition databases to find out where people are, what they're doing and all that kind of good stuff. I hope that we start thinking about some of that kind of stuff here. You know, if we go back to our very first episode that we did almost two years ago, we were talking about a bruh who met a description on a picture and got hemmed up to the point to where he was arrested. And the arresting officer looked at him, looked at the picture, looked at him, looked at the picture and said, I know this isn't you, but I still have to arrest you because the tablet is telling me that issue. Um, 
that is so problematic in so many ways. And, you know, and people, when we even talked about that story a couple of years back, they were saying, well, what is the big deal? Once it got all cleared up, it's like, well, bruh had to, you know, he got arrested. Number one, he may have missed work. He had to ultimately get a lawyer and he had to fight through this. Now, yeah, he ended up willing, you know, winning, uh, you know, a fairly large settlement from the city of Detroit, but you shouldn't have to go through all that. When you have a police, you know, we actually have a human that is saying, yeah, this is not you. But because I have to do what the tablet is telling me or, you know, or, or what my orders are, I want to rush you anyway, even though they knew it wasn't him. That is just you know, that, that's that's not a hypothetical. That is things that have actually happened in our, you know, you know, in our, uh, you know, in our country. We talked about another story where there's a young man who was arrested on a warrant for something that happened in Louisiana. He was from the state of Georgia, had never been to Louisiana. And once it got into a front of a judge, the judge says, well, why are we here? This isn't the same person. And the DA's response is, oh, well, the computer says it is. And it's like, but my eyes are telling me that it isn't. And they just dismiss it. But ultimately, that bra was hemmed up, lost his job, all kind of stuff. So there's a ton of things that we need to make sure that AI is not adversely affecting people's lives. So I would, you know, like that, I'm like you, Terrence, is like, I don't necessarily trust the government to get regulation right. But I think that is something that we probably should think about when you look at what AI can do, what these algorithms can do, and just how disruptive to everyday life they can be if they get it wrong. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So one of the other stories... Um, about AI that we're going to talk about this week. Uh, so as I said, Stephanie isn't here, but she did throw a story in here and she titled this, maybe AI won't kill us after all. We just got to wait it out. So there is an article in Business Insider. And essentially what this article is talking about is that if you think about what generative AI is, it doesn't actually think, it just predicts. It's as simple as it's, 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 it's I'm, I'm really breaking this down very simplistically. But essentially, it just predicts what the next word is going to be based off of the volume of data that it has seen. And it's saying, well, this is what it's looked like before. This is probably what it should look like now. It's not actually thinking. It's just predicting what a word would be. So think of like predictive text when you're typing on your phone or typing on your computer and it throws up what it thinks the next word is. And you can just hit your tab button. It automatically does it. Um, like I said, very simplified uh, explanation of it. But that's simply what uh, or essentially what generative AI is doing. So. Because of that, what uh, researchers are saying is that if you just allow AI to train other AI, it's going to get worse and worse and worse every iteration. Um, It's kind of like, you know, back in the day when we actually used to use a copy machine 
and to make a physical copy. The first copy would be great. The second one probably be pretty good. But the 23rd copy, uh, you know, if like if you make a copy and then make a copy of the copy and then make a copy of the copy, eventually the resolution starts to get really, really bad because those weren't digital copies. They were literally just taking a picture over and over and over again. And you lose information every single time. What this what these researchers are saying is that with AI, if you're using AI solely to train AI, it's going to get dumber and dumber and dumber every single time you go through these iterations to the point to where it's just going to be useless. We already know that generative AI, when we think about Bard, when we think about chat GPT, that it doesn't actually know the answers. AI. Yeah, it's just it's it's just guessing what you what it thinks the answer should be based off of word structure. So that's why it will lie to you. That's why it will give you uh, incorrect information because it's not actually, it doesn't actually know. It's just assuming that this is what the answer is based off of what answers have been in the past. So it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I actually went and found another, uh, another article about this. There is a such thing now that we call it AI anxiety where people are really, um, anxious about, I, I could lose my job. My job could be taken by AI. But when you go and you look at some of this research, it kind of shows that maybe not when you're talking about the AI that we know today. Well, it's just it evolve. It'll it will, your job will evolve. You know, this this story that you read, you know, proves that AI cannot or there's a case against the idea of AI being able to become sentient or whatever they call it based on the data it's learning from which is which is our data right so number one that proves that we are the virus and like all the movies <laughs> say because it's our garbage that ai is reading and learning and trying to train other ai on and then two um it just shows that if we we need to stay involved in order to make sure that what ai is learning and what is being trained is of use and it has nuance and it's, it's without bias and it's can't be um, um, attributed across the board without any sort of case by case basis. All those things take human intervention. So you, yes, you may lose the job that you currently have, but your job is going to involve evolve into being more involved in how AI learns, what it learns, what information is using, what data structures, language models, so on and so forth. So, I mean, it's nothing new. Jobs evolve, you know, same thing with the coal miners, same thing with the, you know, the, the, you know, some of these old jobs of past. It's like, no, we're not doing those jobs. We're doing other jobs. So nothing's changed with AI as far as this is concerned. Yeah. Unless AI decides to kill us off and then you got a whole nother problem, right? (laughs) Well, yeah. So when you think about service jobs where you physically are doing things, um, those jobs can't necessarily be replaced by AI because they still need somebody to physically go and do the job. But when you're talking about the service jobs where you are, you know, you're in front of a computer. It's, it's something that could be automated. It's, 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 it's the same thing with, you know, people working in a plant. Like, you know, my, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. Everyone in my family, uh, you know, in, in the generation um, before me or even two, maybe sometimes even three generations before me, they worked in one of the auto plants. Every single one of them. All, you know, my entire family all worked for one of the GM plants, um, you know, in the town where I grew up. And, when they first got in, there were jobs that they did that they physically were using their hands to do stuff. 
And, you know, in doing these jobs over time, it's like they had to have a lot of people. It's like, you know, there, you know, there was a ton of people it took to do these manually, manually labor intensive jobs. But then they started creating machines that could do it uh, more quickly. So now just by giving this person and training them on how to use this machine, they can do the job of what 10 people were doing on the line before. So now you don't necessarily need that those 10 people on the line, you couldn't move this over to this particular, to this press that they just run. And it just, it just does it over and over again. It's the same thing with AI. You ultimately are going to have some people who are going to lose jobs because the computer can do it more effectively, uh, can do it uh, more efficiently and for less cost for the company. So companies are going to move that way. But I think that the, you know, the ridiculous AI as they're, as they're calling it here, the uh, you know, you know, the, the, you know, the AI, uh, what was the name for AI won't kill us. I just lost my complete train of thought, but AI nervousness. I'll just, I'll just title it that anxiety, anxiety, AI anxiety. And I can't even say it. AI anxiety that I think it may be overblown. And there are some good examples of what companies are doing. And it's like, it's, it's a good thing for their employees. So I had this story here uh, about Ikea in this, uh, in this, this is out of, uh, you know, payments.com and Ikea is using AI to transform call center employees into interior de- design advisors. So in this particular story, what a, uh, what, what the, uh, you know, the big giant store Ikea, uh, is doing is that they have 8,500 folks who answer the phones and they're using AI to, to basically displace those people from that particular job. But they're not just saying we're going to get rid of these 8,500 employees. We're going to train these 8,500 employees to do something that AI can't do for us. So they actually are upskilling these employees that were like call center employees before. And now they'll be doing interior design related work for Ikea, something that AI would not be good for. So here is a company that's saying, well, yeah, we do want to use AI to be more effective, but here's an area where we need more people. If we can train the people that we already have to do this particular job, it solves a couple of issues for us. We can actually use AI to to do their job, but we can actually use them to do the job that we don't have the actual uh, sales force or workforce for right now. So I think you're going to see a lot of companies are going to ultimately do that. There's no question in my mind that jobs are ultimately going to be lost as they are with everything else. But I think that the AI anxiety that a lot of people are experiencing right now may be overblown. It's still, it's still kind of crazy to me that AI, as we know it, basically chat GPT, since people have started knowing what it was barred, all that kind of stuff. It's not even six months old yet. Today is what the 19th, we have 11 more days to go before this stuff has been around for six months. It seems like we've been talking about it for two years and no Terrence, you're saying you're already getting tired of it. It's only been six months. It, it has not been that long. So well, I th- it's just, you know, uh, just personally, yeah, I think everybody is trying to jump on top of this so fast that we haven't, again, hasn't had time to mature yet, you know, before we can figure out the exact or the perfect, if that, if, if there is a such a thing use case for AI. I think, you know, all of our excitement is up because news travels so fast, technology and application of technology travels so fast that everybody feel like if you ain't first, you last. So from the news stories reporting on it, from the companies dumping a bunch of money into it, from us trying to quickly create these 
language models and these processing applications, you know, we're all in a hurry. You know, I think we'll slow down. And I think that's when the magic, quote unquote, will happen as to how we as humans find a place for AI. I just think we're just in a hurry right now because it's new. It's it's shiny. Mm -hmm. It's flashy. People are trying to be first because you get on the ground floor, you know, capitalism and consumerism. You add all that stuff up in. That's why I believe it's just I when I say I'm tired of it, I'm not necessarily tired of AI. I'm just tired of how we are talking about it, how it's how it's already being, you know, prophesied, right? When, like you said, it ain't been six months yet. Let's, let's relax a little Not bit. Not even six <laughs> months. I mean, you, you would think that we've been talking about this stuff for the last eight, nine years. It is, it has been mm-hmm. six months. Clearly we've been talking about AI for longer than six months. We've been talking about it with this fervor since chat GPT rolled out back on November 30th of last year. That's when things changed. Now, here's my question to you. Are you actually, have you used Bard? Have you used chat GPT? Have you done anything on it? I have not, not at all. My wife actually, and I'm the techie of the group. You know, she's always coming to me with stuff, but she, in my, in my ear, yeah, I just used chat GPT to do something with her. I think it's something with her resume or something or LinkedIn or something like that. And I'm like, oh, here you go. (laughs) I'm going to be the old geezer get off my lawn when it comes to AI, when normally, you know, I'm brother tech, you know, you would think I'd be the, you know, the one most hyped about it. I am not. So <laughs> are you taking one of those stands where I'm just not going to use it? I'm going to hold out for as long as possible, or you just don't see, not, you just don't see any use for it at this point. Um, Not no use for it. I know there's a good use cases for it. Um, I, I recognize that people have, come up with good use cases for it, you know, um, not necessarily holding out to as long as possible. I am waiting on the light bulb in, for me to go off and be like, that's it. I just ain't, the light bulb ain't went off yet. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as I said earlier, when we started the show, we do do a live show. Uh, so this is being live streamed right now. And we have folks in our, and these are regulars. These folks show up every week and are listening to, to us do the show. So Mr. Wayne Dixon has pointed out that my math skills is a little bit off because November 30th actually is set almost seven months ago, uh, not six. So my bad. Yeah, uh, it hasn't even been out seven months. Let me just go ahead and, re- and rephrase that. So it hasn't even been out seven months yet. But yeah, six months was the end of uh, the end of May. So uh, that being said, uh, I have a couple questions for you. I'm just going to go uh, real left here. So two weeks ago, we, uh, you know, watched, uh, what was it? WWDC 23. And they made, uh, all these announcements. The biggest announcement clearly was that new headset that's coming out. That's 3,500 bones. Um, but my question for you is, is this 15 inch MacBook air? Is, is, is that, is that the new hotness now? Yes. Simply because it's 15 inches. Um, uh, I watched the review by MK MKBHD. I can never get the, the, I just call him Marcus Bradley because I can't figure out the, but anyway, I watched his review on the 15 inch MacBook Air. And when you, he did all the Geek Bench, all the test smart benchmark stuff. And there was an improvement between the M1 version and the M2 version comparing like the 
14-inch M1 MacBook Air and the 15-inch M2 MacBook Air, there was a difference, but regular people is not going to notice it. Mm -hmm. So what they will notice is the 15-inch screen. Right now, I'm using a M1 Pro 16-inch MacBook Pro right now, and it's a beast. But a 15-inch, I think it's the sweet spot, especially for people who are remote, especially for people who travel, but they still want access to a bigger screen without trying to hook up external monitors and all this other stuff to make it feel like a desk space. So um, basically, I agree with his overall sentiment that it ain't that much of a difference. It's a noticeable difference if you're into doing what he's doing, video editing, rendering, all those things. Most people are not. Most people are going to be attracted to the screen and at the same price, if not $100 more. Um, and that's before you do the upgrades. You know, I think the base model comes with like eight gigs of RAM and 256 gigabytes of flash storage. If you go up to 512 gigabytes of flash storage and 16 gigs of RAM, which is memory, you're probably up to almost $2,000. Mm-hmm. But again, with the durability and the design and the lifelongness <laughs> of a MacBook Air, you know, that's money well spent, especially now with the Macs, you can't upgrade them after the fact. So most people are not going to spend the eleven ninety nine or twelve ninety nine, however much it costs out the box. But you're at two thousand dollars with you know some decent upgrades. You got a nice computer for a long time, which was his ultimate sentiment of the in his review. Right. So you know, um, we, we talk about this on the show regularly. I am an Android user and I am a PC user. Um, but I can tell you that I'm not a PC user because I just believe, oh, well, PCs are just better than Macs or Macs are just better than PCs. It's just the device that I tend to use. Now, there there, there used to be a Mac cost, you know, you, or, or an Apple, what was it called? The Apple tax? There, Apple tax. There used to be an Apple tax. And now I think if you were to take a similarly configured, let's say like a Dell XPS, to uh, you know, to, to the MacBook 15 inch. Well, the, like to get it configured, like you said, that you know, bump the memory up to 16 gigs, bump the uh, SSD up from two 256 up to 512. You're now at what, probably two grand. Well, on the on an XPS that is similarly configured to that, you might be like 1899 to to 1949 or something. So you're talking about, well, yeah, it may be a little bit less expensive, but it's not like you were talking about, well, the Mac is two grand and the Dell is 1200 because that that's significant. That that's where you're going to really make a decision. Well, it's kind of like this. Well, you know what? Sometimes, you know, when when you think about Mac, it it is, I believe Terrence, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. It is the best selling laptop right now. It's it's not the number one laptop that is used, but it is the it is the number one laptop as far as how many of them are sold. There's just so many other Windows PCs that are sold that Windows still uh, you know is uh, you know significantly bigger than just the the user base for for Mac. But me personally, I don't see any reason why I couldn't get that because I still have my workhorse that is closer to a $3,500 PC that's not going anywhere, at least for the next two years. I've actually just, you know, or not just, but I'm about to extend my, um, my, uh, my warranty on it. 
Um, and I will get a good five and a half years out of this laptop. But this laptop essentially could have been a desktop. I never take it anywhere. It's it's big. It's bulky. I've got a docking station. I've got all kinds of stuff plugged into it for me to do what, what I want to do. A nice, smaller laptop would just be easier to carry around. Like I'm going on vacation tomorrow morning. It would be easier if I were going to take a laptop with me to take like a small MacBook, even a 15 inch MacBook Air, than to take this behemoth. Uh, from a weight standpoint and just I don't necessarily want to take all of this if I could have something smaller. So I've really been thinking about lately. It's like, hey, you, know, you know what? I could actually get a Mac. There, there are things that there's an application that uh, I actually quite like. It's it's a it's, it's a bit much to use maybe for what we do. But if you are in the live streaming um, significantly so. Ecamm Live is is a nice app. I think you've used it before, right? It's uh-huh. it's 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 a bit much for what we're doing. But if you're really into lower thirds and, um, you know, dynamic changes, all the and kind of stuff that you see, all, all that kind of stuff screen um, right. is basically if you're on a Mac, you use Ecamm Live. If you're on anything else, you use OBS. And, you know, so there's no shade at OBS. OBS is really, really good software and it's free. It can do pretty much everything that uh, I, w- I shouldn't say everything. It can do many of the things that Ecamm Live can do and many things that Ecamm Live can't do. But Ecamm Live as a uh, package offering for uh, something that you're going to pay for. It is a really, really slick piece of uh, uh, of software. And right now is the only reason I have a active, like there's a Mac sitting behind me somewhere um, that I actually use. And that's the only thing that I use it for. So it's not fast enough for me to, to, to do editing on. It's not fast enough. Even, you know, even like I could do a little bit of audio editing, but like any video stuff, this beast that we're on, that I'm on right now is going to get stuff done literally eons quicker than that will, because this, this machine was designed to do that. But I was thinking hey, I get a MacBook air at 15 inch. I might actually be able to do some lightweight video editing on there. It would definitely run uh OBS. You could do more than just lightweight. Fine. You can do more than lightweight. So yeah. while you were uh, talking real quick, I went on the Apple website and the newest 15 inch MacBook Air with 16 gigs of unified memory, 512 gigabytes of SSD storage before tax. I'll run you $1,700. Yeah, that's not with bad. tax. That's 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 about two grand. So uh, that just just to reiterate the point that the Apple tax is what people called it almost non-existent um i'm pretty sure you could get a bare bones pc for less than that um but not very much not very much because just like and go ahead i was gonna say like um there was a time when i actually used to build pcs but the problem with that is that when something breaks you have to fix it i have i've i have done i've had this uh this dell xps since Christmas of 2019. So it's, it's going on, it's three and a half years going on four years old. I think I've done three service calls on it and I call Dell and they ship apart. I call Dell and they ship me a new PC. It, I, don't, I don't have to do anything that is worth not being able to go inside myself and change the memory out, go inside myself and change the hard drive out. I don't want to do that. This is a work machine. It's not, it's not a hobby machine. It's a machine that I'm actually doing a job on. So it's more akin of a machine that I would have if I was working in the corporate world. 
And, you know, so, so Macs are kind of always like that, but it's like, there is a benefit to not having to worry about it. It's like, this thing is just going to work. You get your Apple care on it. If it breaks, you take it to the, you know, you take it and they fix it and, or they hand you a new one. I think I I, have, I told the story about my daughter, my oldest daughter, she got a brand new MacBook uh, pro. I bought it for her for Christmas the year uh, before she went off to college and she opened the MacBook up before she even turned it on. She dropped it and put a dent in the screen. Mm. So she was just devastated. She didn't even turn it on and had, uh, you know, and, and damaged it. So she's all worried. We're all worried. So the day after Christmas, we go down to the Apple store. I, she's, she's got tears in her eyes. The, what do they call them? The genius the you know, from, from the genius bar, he comes out and he's like, Oh my gosh, what happened? It's like, I opened it up and I dropped it when I was opening up because I was excited. He was like, wait here. He just went and grabbed one, brought it out and said, just replace. It. And I don't know that that's how Apple care should have worked, but it worked for me. And I have been all in on that. I will never forget that. That was in 2014. And I have not had a problem buying any Apple devices ever since then get Apple care on everything. So for me, this is me saying that I, I don't know that I'm switching because my workhorse machine is not going anywhere, but I have room on my desk that I can have another machine and I could absolutely see that being a 15 inch MacBook air. So we have a spotlight this week. Now, our spotlight is a little different than what we normally do. We're not spotlighting a person. We're actually spotlighting Juneteenth. So let me go ahead and bring up my notes and let's start talking about uh, what is Juneteenth. So Juneteenth, short for June 19th, marks the day when the federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to take control of the state and ensure that all enslaved people be freed. The troops arrival came a full two and a half years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. Juneteenth honors the end of slavery in the United States and is considered the longest running African-American holiday. On June 17th, 2021, it officially became a federal holiday, and that is why many of us today have the day off. Now, some of y'all might be thinking, didn't the Civil War end in April of 1865? And if so, why are or why is the Black Independence Day all the way in the middle of June? Well, there never was a lot of fighting during the Civil War in Texas. And since there weren't any Union troops there to tell slaves that they were free, Texas slave owners just kept it going, figuring that they could squeeze out another harvest season without actually telling their slaves that they were free. It was Union General Gordon Granger's arrival in Galveston in June of 1865 that signaled freedom for Texas's 250,000 enslaved people. The year following, in 1866, freedmen in Texas organized the first um, to be uh, what is known as the celebration of Jubilee Day on June 19th. It is ensuing decades of Juneteenth um, commemorations, which featured music, barbecues, prayer services and other activities. And as black people migrated from Texas to other part of the country, the Juneteenth tradition spread. So Juneteenth is, uh, you know, it is basically the day that not free the, the African-Americans were freed. It was the day that they actually found out that they were uh, in Texas. They, they kept it running for a few extra months. But I just thought with today being Juneteenth, us doing the show, we should we should actually spotlight why the holiday is. And Terrence, you will be proud. I did not get into the comments on this, um, but there, there's a, there's a lot of folks that are upset that we have a federal holiday for this. 
lot of folks for this in general or what since uh, you said you didn't get into the comments so i didn't get into the comments i just i'm just going from like what i see on the news and stuff like that there's a lot of folks who just they they, they just um they don't believe that this should be celebrated it's like this is in the past why 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 are we celebrating this why can't why can't everybody just celebrate Independence Day for America? Why does there have to be a separate Independence Day for black Americans? I think that's pretty obvious to me. Um, the fact that we weren't free, we didn't have an Independence Day. We weren't citizens. We weren't people before, uh, you know, before slavery was in it. But I don't know the exact quote, but it says, you know, to all of us are free. None of us are free. So mm-hmm. to uh, to co-sign what you already said the reason why independence day july 4th whatever you want to call it uh really doesn't make sense for black folks is because while america was free from british uh african americans were not free from americans right really so you know for the most part of a couple hundred years fourth of july is had a bad taste it's it's a a bittersweet thing uh before officially personally a fourth before officially celebrating Juneteenth, you know, me, you know, getting growing even even more militant <laughs> as I get older. Uh you know, I started uh not celebrating the fourth of Ju- July in a traditional sense. And in a traditional sense, a barbecue, hangout, fireworks, you know, that sort of thing. It was just kind of like another day. You know, so I was like, all right, well, let me replace it with something. And I'd say maybe 10 years ago started uh, deciding to celebrate uh, Juneteenth, you know, and, you know, and as we've progressed in the past, what, maybe five years started taking Juneteenth more seriously across the board. I don't know if that, you know, the uh, in the wake of George Floyd, you know, all of those things kind of catapulted the talk of, okay, well, you know, let's there's a there's a difference in how we're being treated, you know, then what why why don't we go ahead and decide what type of celebra- celebrations we're going to take part in. Right. So that's when I think kind of Juneteenth kind of catapulted to the front of the conversation to where now it is a federal holiday. But, you know, uh, yeah, so you're going to say something. It's, it's, it's really recent recent history it was uh june 17th of 2021 when joe biden actually signed it into uh you know signed it into uh becoming an actual national holiday to where a federal holiday i should say where like you know banks and many businesses are actually closed down uh today for for that holiday so that was just in june of 2021 so yeah you're probably right it's right on the back of George uh, of George Floyd back in June of 2021 that was literally like a year and a month after the George Floyd incident it was still fresh in people's minds and you still have people wanting to do a lot what I didn't realize was that Juneteenth was actually a holiday in Texas going all the way back to 79 so uh, mm-hmm. Texas was the first state to actually make it a state holiday back in 1979 and there were actually several other states that have actually done that as well and you know as I was reading um, you know, the, you know, the article that I pulled everything from, it was, you know, it, it basically said that as people migrated from Texas, it kind of just got spread out. Um, th- these were the kind of things when I actually was in college that I studied. So I knew about Juneteenth all the way going back into the early 90s, because this is the kind of stuff I was studying when I was in school. But I really don't remember people talking about it 
really until maybe the last six, seven, eight years. It's, 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 it, it, I think it's just one of those things to where, oh, wow, y'all, you, you know, um, oh, we have, we have Juneteenth off today. I remember somebody saying that who lived in the state of Texas. Like, oh, wow, it's, it's like a holiday like that there. Y'all actually get the day. I was like, yeah, but you know, it's a federal holiday, or not a federal, it's a state holiday here. So we actually get the day off. That's just, that's relatively recent. So, yeah, we, we, I moved into this house in 2016. And probably one of the first things we did, uh, outside of my son being born, because that's the whole reason why we moved in the first place. You know, we were pregnant with our third child. We need more space. So after our baby shower and, you know, his homecoming service, I think the next thing we celebrated, uh, was Juneteenth. Because like I mentioned, you know, about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more than 10 years ago, I was like, all right, <laughs> I'm done with the 4th of July. What else can I do? So I started looking into Juneteenth. So I made it, you know, that was the first thing we did when we moved into this house, you know, back in 2017 was uh, celebrate uh, Juneteenth. And ever since then, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it's starting to pick up importance because it is American history. And for all those that say, wow, we're why are we celebrating things in the past? No, we're actually celebrating history. You know, mm-hmm. it's important. It is an important piece of African-American history specifically, you know, just going back off the thing I mentioned before with, you know, whole 4th of July and black Americans feeling some kind of way about it. You know, even though America was free, we wasn't free. Same thing goes with Juneteenth, right? Even though Emancipation Proclamation was signed in 1863, declaring that uh, slavery was illegal, in a country that wasn't yours. Think about that for a second. Like the emancipation, uh, the emancipation proclamation did not free anybody. It said that you were free. If you were in part of this, the, the, you know, part of the country that, you know, part of the, the, uh, the Confederacy that was no longer part of the United States that has seceded from your country. So that's like, that's like me saying, I'm freeing your children from doing chores at your house. Like, how does that work? <laughs> it's like, I don't, right. contr- I don't get to control that. You control what you do at your house. Um, so, so, same so thing, to take that same application, right? Even though we were free with the Emancipation Proclamation, you know, till all of us are free, none of us are free. So that's the significance of Juneteenth, because the last slaves down in Texas, like you mentioned, found out that they were free since they had finally got their freedom. That's when we celebrate Juneteenth, not necessarily when we were announced, quote unquote, that we were free two or three years uh, prior to. I mean, just just think about that. Uh, Texas was part of the South. It lost the war. Um. These uh, about it. <laughs> these people are free. They, they they no longer are slaves by law. Something that your state ratified, uh, you know. But what the slave over the, the slave owners did, what the slave owners did, they's like you know. Well, they don't know, and we got to get we got to get these crops in. We got to go get the sugar cane real, you know, uh, right fast. So we ain't gonna holler at them. We just we just gonna we just gonna keep the status quo. It is not until. Um, as I said, General Granger rolls up to Galveston and is like, all right, you got a quarter million people here that you, basically you still have working for free. This, this is this is not how this is going to work anymore. So it took the union actually physically going there to make this happen. And it, 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 it is a, it, it is a big deal is, you know, why do we celebrate it? Because, like I said, before that, our people that were there were enslaved. After that, they were not. That is a big thing to celebrate. Um, you have to wonder it's sometimes. American history. It's American history. 
you're going to have to wonder sometimes. Uh, it was like, well, we had this holiday. Can you even talk about why it was? Because depending on what state you live in, they might want to ban books to where you even talk about uh, the the people were actually slaves because I might make kids feel bad about it. But, you know, that that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to take the show down that, that, that rabbit hole. But Juneteenth, it is a federal holiday. I'm glad that it is. And I hope everybody listening got to enjoy your day today. So, Mr. Gaines, why don't you go ahead and tell folks how they can get it? Oh, actually, I should say this. Uh, we did not have a new patron this week, but we did get a raise this week. Now, I'm going to assume that this is an alias because we got a raise from Homer Simpson. Um, but we appreciate Homer Simpson because they gave us a raise. So we do want to shout you out, let you know that we appreciate what you're doing for us. We did not have any new patrons, but if anyone would like to support the tech, John, where we can actually bring technology to you the way that we bring it to you. Once again, head over to patreoncom forward slash the tech J a W N. Saray is saying no uh, with Homer Simpson. But yeah, thank you, Homer Simpson. We appreciate you. So, Terrence, why don't you go ahead and tell folks how they can get at you? Yeah, you can find me all over the internet at Brother Tech. That's B R O T H A T E C H. And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And we are also at The Tech John on all the things. So come holla at us wherever you holla. Until we meet again in two weeks or two weeks time, in one week's time. Peace. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.